Hello and completely, completely forgot we had new music there. I was expecting the old Got Till 5 music and I thought, what the hell's going on? This is Got Till 5. Stop. It's about time that I introduced a show. I haven't introduced a new show yet. You always jump in. Oh, Got Till 5. Welcome to it. No, it's my turn. Hello. Yeah. But I've told you why I do it. I told you why I jump in because like the first <laughs> <Because this happens. laughs> yeah, the first minute is so important to capture people because you you do it with a podcast yourself. You listen to something, some annoying twat comes on, and you go nope, and oh, you immediately yeah. stop it. Yeah, I think I've done it to our podcast without realizing it was ours before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this? <laughs> Who are these bumberclats? <laughs> Solid start. Would you like to? <laughs> what is a professional Jesse introduction to a podcast? Can can I have that for a second? Um, yeah, um, hello, this is a podcast, um, but Got Till Five. Welcome to Got Till Five. This is Jesse Benz. Um, I co-host this show with my good friend, Max Curtin. Hello, Max. Jesus Christ, that was split personality. <laughs> That's, that was professional, right? I, I, used to, um, I, I used to copy this all the time, right? It was weird. Um, so um, I used to listen to a lot of Radio 2, and, um, they, and before every show, they'd go online, on digital, and on 88 to 91 FM, BBC Radio 2. And like I used to say it all the time, but I actually got quite good at it. I was going to say, why can't I have that, Jesse, versus the bumbling West Country Russell Brand I have to deal with on a bi-weekly I'm basis? A, I'm not a West Country Russell Brand. I'm, um, no, I am a bit, and I, I don't mean to be, but um, I'm not happy. Oh, yeah. Well, we have, me and Jesse haven't spoken in a while, and he's not happy about something, and this is the first time I've not known about it. It's really trivial, but... Um, so today they announced that um, the new Bond film that was supposed to be coming out next month yep. has been delayed f- for seven months because really? of coronavirus. Yes. I didn't know this. Yes, seven. So it's not coming out until the 12th of November now. It's literally been announced today as of recording. And um, it's so that we ain't got that for a long time. But that's all I was looking forward to, Max. That was like my life. I can't be. Oh, my goodness, it is. Yeah, it's true, right? So they said they, they're not doing it because that they, they're scared that people will get infected at the premieres and stuff. Wow. I know! And by the way, this coronavirus, right? Like, when I'm ill, yeah. I go to bed and get better. Why are all these people, when they get ill, deciding to go on world tours? It is true. People need to recognise that if you get a little bit of a, a sniffle right now, just stay Stop travelling the world! Stay in. It's like the Pokemon song. I will travel across the land. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Spreading viruses far and wide. Stop it, you coronamon. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Jesse. It's like, because um, there's normal flu going around as well, and you can't tell the difference. So it's just like, for now, you know, normally I'm all up for if you want to be a martyr, fine. But for now, stay in. Right, it's ridiculous, because I, I was annoyed, like, Corona, I was like, oh, it's all media overhype, and, like, it won't actually affect us, everyone needs to chill the fuck out and carry on, but now it's affected by James Bond, mate, so it's... it's <laughs> now Jesse's in the conversation, now he's, now, uh... Yeah, now I, I can't see my Bond when I thought I was going to see my Bond. Jeez, like, I'm going to be a different person by <laughs> November. You're going to be, you're going to be in your 30s. What is that? What is that? You'll be in your 30s by November, that's how long away it is. Good God. Jesus, no one watches it. Of course they do. Um, anyway, how are you? Are you happier than me? No, I am good. And it's, I'm glad you told me that, actually, because 
I had to fit in a James Bond episode just before the release, and I was... <laughs> now you got ages. Now i got ages, so I'm kind of happy that this has happened. I know you're livid, but this is quite a relief for me. I'm livid. I'm literally shaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jess, it's okay. It's okay. We're, we've got a... a wow, we haven't even got a cheery subject matter today to cheer you up. No, it's pretty cheery. It can be cheery, because he's a lovely man, and um, hopefully he... Um, like I'm only saying this because he might listen. Um, he's a lovely man, and he makes the best documentaries in the world. And, Who are we um, talking about? What are we doing? We're doing Louis Theroux documentaries. Now, I'm tepid about this because um, we got a lot of American listeners, and they might not know who Louis Theroux is. Um, oh, yeah, I think, shit. No, that's all right. Don't worry. I think um, people like do. I think some people watch it. And that, but he's obviously a stalwart of the BBC, really, your favourite. And um, but he makes um, he makes world class documentaries for any Americans who don't know him. He's half American, actually. And um, yeah, he is good. He's good man. He does most of his documentaries in America and um, does the weird and wonderful. And he's done some serious stuff as well. And I like him. Yeah, exactly. He, as you say, he covers a lot of American. This could be good because we could get some of our British audience back. Because people I've told today that we're doing this episode have been very excited that we're we're covering this, which was surprising to me. Because, yeah, I don't really give a shit. What you don't? Why don't you give a shit? No, it's it's good, but it's it's another niche one. Because uh, I'll be honest with the listeners, pop punk top five pop punk albums apparently more niche than I expected and did not do well as an episode. Well, there you go. We're in a rebuilding process. This happens. We are. And, and this is what we're doing. We're doing new topics. So we start with uh, film, then we do music. This is our TV section. Next week, I think, is like anime or cartoon. So we're just finding out oh, what yeah. works. <laughs> nice and mainstream next week, then. Yeah, we're, you know, bring them up, knock them back down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Louis Three documentaries. Let's go. Let's go. I happen to love the number five. Louis Sebastian Ferru, born 20th of May 1970, is a British American documentary filmmaker. That's it. That's good. I knew all that because um, <laughs> recently um, I listened to um, his autobiography on audiobook, which I can fully recommend to anyone. It's really bloody good. Really bloody good. Really bloody good. And he's funny. He's a really, really funny bloke. Like, I think we does saw him read that it? anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. He I does. like that. I like that. It was, yeah, man, definitely. I was listening to um, an interview with Alan Partridge the other day, and he was talking about his audiobook. And he said, um, and he said, yeah, well, it was um, it was between me and Ainsley Harriet, but I got the job. <laughs> 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 but part of me wants to hear Ainsley Harriet read other people's autobiographies. That'd be amazing. You know, I really want you to get into a world of uh, audiobooks. I could do it. You'd... Couldn't I, Governor? Governor. I could like <laughs> I could do it. There's people on there's people on YouTube that do it just for fun. They yeah. just record themselves reading books. <clears throat> there's some girl who did Hunger Games and she actually did a really good job. I listened to I'd listened to Hunger Games for the first time. Just some random like fifteen year old girl reading it to me. Well, there's a lot to unpack it's... in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it was on YouTube. And um, she did Thank you for clarifying. Of... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Louis reads his own book and he reads it very well and he's a very funny man. He's, it's very good stuff. And he's got an interesting life. 
He does it well. I didn't know he was born in Singapore until till recently. There you go. That's to f- an American. His dad was a very successful author. Travel writer and novelist. American, yes. Uh, I can't remember the name of his big book. But yeah, this one big book that went massive. And in the book, there's loads of like talk about drug taking and sex and stuff. And it must be brilliant yeah. when you're a kid. Like, yeah, legend. <laughs> uh, it, must be, it must be like really um, mad when you're a kid to like read your dad's um, like really well-written sexy shit. Well, that's what I'm waiting for your dad to release, because I reckon he's got some stories for us. Oh, God, yeah. he's. Uh, it, we won't find it till after he dies or something, though, will we? It'll be... Um, so I won't even be able to confront him about it. He'll have, like, hidden it inside one of his guitars or something. Yeah, but that's fine, because then we can just rip off that successful podcast my dad wrote a porno. And then, that is uh, a very successful podcast. Exactly. Good it's funny. Exactly. And then this one will just be, Jesse's dad's a pervert. <laughs> Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> subscribe now <laughs> right we got off tangent already Louis yes uh, yeah we really need to focus because like we're talking about six documentaries here um for people who don't know we do a top five format where we take it in turns and then at the end me and jesse oh shit i forgot to talk about that you oh, let me oh, go past gonna, that didn't you yeah, no you're gonna long this out now you should you, you, should, you should edit this out anyway because this is taking too long enjoy the next 10 minutes everyone so um me and Jesse both present the number one that we think should be the, the number one pick for whatever topic we're talking about. Uh, so we'll both present our favourite Louis Farouk documentary. Yeah, Shut yeah, up, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to mute you for this bit. Um, I love muting you. It's my favourite thing in the world. And last week, we did um, pop punk albums, and Jesse presented American Idiot, like an idiot. And I presented Dookie from Green Day as the greatest pop punk album. And guess what the people decided to vote on? Yours truly, Maxwell Arthur Robert Curtin. You've got such a posh name. You're such a little nit. <laughs> Arthur Robert. Oh, Arthur Robert Curtin. You knew this as a as a fact for many years. Yeah, I know, but hearing you say it, it's like you're so let, let, Let's not let's not distract from the fact that I was right and you were wrong. Do you know what but my middle piece... name is? Patrick. Pat yeah, they ain't even spelt right. That's how with the down with the people I am. Why is it not spelt right? It ain't got a K at the end. <laughs> Patrick's <laughs> are supposed to have K's at the end, but mine ain't. Ah, oh, bless you. Yeah. That explains so much. Hey, you know um, Davy Boy Smith, the wrestler? Yes. Um, so his middle name is Boy because um, the dad couldn't read. So he wrote um, he wrote where he was supposed to write the middle name. He wrote the gender instead. So he just wrote Boy. <laughs> That's Wait. how he ended up with that name. Davy Boy Smith's actual middle name is Boy. Yeah, that's his proper real name, Davy Boy Smith. I thought that was like a like a fun boys in the back nickname. Oh, it's Davy no. Boy. No, his middle name's Boy because his dad wrote the gender on the wrong bit. <laughs> boy. <laughs> God, thank goodness he got it right. I know. Right. The, uh, yeah, as as you were, anyway. As you were. Um, so we're gonna have another vote in two weeks' time on this episode to pick the best Louis Frew documentary. We'll be going head-to-head in a little while. Jesse's kicking off this episode with number five, so let's get into it. Brilliant. Um, I'm kicking off. So um, keeping in theme with what we used to do, if you're still listening for that reason, um, Louis Theroux actually did an amazing documentary on professional wrestling. So this is a um, Weird Weekends episode. That was sort of his, the first thing that we all saw him on telly as when we were kids. He did a series called Weird Weekends where he just go hang out with someone weird, like whether it's professional wrestling, um, he did female bodybuilding, he did Christians, he did um, 
Oh, there's uh, swingers, like just something odd. And he'd always go to America to do it and just hang out with them because they're a bit more zany than us guys. And um, and so he did professional wrestling. And actually, like under the radar, because it was on the BBC in England and not marketed towards professional wrestling fans, but made one of the most insightful professional wrestling documentaries um, that's probably ever been made. Like we've got one called Beyond the Map. We've got one... Um, that's a, well that's about it beyond really. the shadows like, which was the brett one. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but those uh, are the top three wrestling with shadows wrestling with shadows what i say um you said beyond the shadows <laughs> you got mixed up <laughs> with your two uh, but yeah this one on professional wrestling so louis Theroux, as you know he plays the sort of ignorant englishman so well so he's just this ignorant englishman he gets access backstage to wcw which was the top wrestling promotion at the time mm. um goes back there he meets goldberg and um chats to roddy piper and all this <clears throat> and then um chats to a guy called sarge who trains all the wrestlers um so he starts speaking to sarge and who seems perfectly nice, shakes his hand and all that, and um, they talk. And then after the show, Louis Theroux says to Sarge, um, oh, I was just wondering what you thought about um, the fact that this all sort of looks um, predetermined. Like, of, And he was really careful with his words. He was like, obviously, um, the athleticism is very real and um, they're working very hard. But I was wondering if you could talk to me about the, the planned aspect of it. And Sarge was like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking Like, completely shut down. Like, he didn't want to give away any secrets. He was like, mm. no, I don't know what you're talking about. i got to go. He was like, oh, shit, okay. So Louis Theroux goes to hang out with a bunch of indie wrestlers who, like... Uh, proper rednecks like they're lovely like but to be honest red people say redneck is insult right i have rarely seen a redneck that i don't like do you know what i mean they always seem like really lovely people generally speaking generally speaking yeah yeah apart from like the murderers but um <laughs> but but this this lot that he hangs out with i, I can't remember what they're called but he um hangs out with them and they just put on these little like shows in school gyms but they really go for it like there's thumbtacks and they're cutting each other's heads open and stuff but they're quite open to talk about all that and it's brilliant then louis goes to the power plant which was um the wcw training ground where they train up all their wrestlers where sarge trains everyone so they're like oh come on let's get louis involved it'll be good for the documentary and like fuck do they get him involved boy mm-hmm. like they work him to the fucking bone and this is it i'm pretty sure this is in louis um like heavy drinking weed smoking days based on other episodes around this era there's a few hints that he was just this sort of stoner hippie which uh, i quite like and um but so the poor bloke is not like in wrestler shape and they're putting him through hell to the point and fair play to louis he's working his tits off trying to keep up he's literally throws up at one point and Sarge just works him to the bone. And at one point, it's just screaming in his face. Like, uh, you think what we do is fake. This isn't fake. These lot have to listen to my short ass every fucking day. Like, you know, this is terrible, right? And it's like, oh, God. And um, it's brilliant. It's a really good insight into the realism of this fake sport. And Louis just captures it perfectly. And the and at the high end with WCW, he's capturing it perfectly by going through this. He also captures it at the low end where people are making no money, but they just got the bug, right? They've got the bug to wrestle and that's what they want to do. So they do it. It's like motorcyclists, right? I've no idea why anyone in the fucking world would want to ride a motorbike. It's the most dangerous shit in the world, but there's people out there that fucking love it. And if you've got the bug, you can't talk people out of it. Logic just doesn't get in the way. So that's what this was. And I think Louis did an amazing job. Well done, Louis. 100% 100% agree and when you're saying there about the training and stuff and 
this is something I never understood. Like when I used to wrestle and I used to go do training, the amount of fucking work that goes into this predetermined sport is exhausting. The cardio drills, the work, the hours upon hours of training. I understand why, because you want to be in ring condition and you can keep up and stuff, but it is the most physically demanding thing I've ever done in my life, professional wrestling. Yes. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's just non-stop, um, non-stop cardio. Well, it's cardio and... Cardio and weight, yeah. One. It's, it's such and a your head's got to be present because you're not exactly doing choreography, but it's in the same kind of ballpark. So you have to be fucking alert. You know what I mean? You essentially got someone else's life in your hands. Yeah, you've but, got to know um, steps and like, oh, where are we going next? Oh, he's feeding over there. Or, oh, now it's time to do this section. It's Yeah, it's not just, I'm going to fight him and it's going to hurt him. Yeah, exactly, and but I, and I think Louis showed that, and the business was respected in this documentary, whilst at the same time having the comedy there and it being just right. Like when he was talking to some of the lower level wrestlers and stuff, and just their gimmicks and that. Like it, it was just, it had a real nice tone to it. It was a very good, um, very good show. And also the access he had because this was came out in nineteen ninety nine. This episode, which was peak WCW, and when I say peak, I mean kicking WF ass in the ratings and is just you know everywhere and some of the top talent and he's just like yeah just gonna go film with these uh these top american guys like like it's nothing it's like yeah it's unprecedented access really i don't think anyone got documentary access behind the scenes at wcw at any point no exactly and yeah the goldberg and roddy piper such lovely lovely gents aren't they lovely gents yeah, they are. And and we get to see... Right, so wrestlers, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a very um, 90s wrestler cliche that everyone wore bum bags all the time. And, um, <laughs> still and is we now. Actually, yeah, yeah, still is now, kind of. But we actually get to see inside Roddy Piper's bum bag. He shows Louis through what he carries in there. That's the only time I've ever seen inside a wrestler's bum bag. Oh, yes. You know what? I've never considered how amazing that is. Yeah, right? The gravity That's, of um, that. Pretty big, yeah. Like Louis Threw is responsible for Roddy Piper's bum bag innards. <laughs> you always pick the most beautiful words to, to describe things. <laughs> or fanny pack to our American listeners. Yes. Which I yes. call it for humor reasons. Yes. Minge bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Jesse's not allowed to buy one. <laughs> I was asked to leave the camping store. <laughs> why would you go to a camping store? <laughs> That's why well, they sell them. In the top of your mind, that was the first place you would go for a fanny pack. <laughs> for a bum bag, yeah. Where would you go? Amazon. You idiot! You modernist! You have to go. <laughs> you have to support the high street, mate. You don't let it die, Jesse. Let it die. Go to minutes. Let the high street die. Let BBC what? die. Let it all die. Anywhere, anywhere that sells tents and that, they probably got bum bags. I don't think they do. You know what? I'm going to do my own Louis Theroux documentary, expose. <laughs> On bum bags. On bum bags. I'm going to go to every 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 store in my free mile radius. What would you? Um, this is probably too early in the podcast to ask this question, but fuck it. Like, if you um, could make Louis through, and I say make like in a loving way, um, if you could make Louis through do a documentary on something, what would you make him do? Oh shit! Um... What do you think he would like absolutely smash? Like oh. anything, because he's awesome, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's something that you really want to see him do. Yeah, because obviously he covers, he's covered all of the main controversial topic stuff. I'd like him to do one on you. <laughs> just follow when Louis met Jesse, just have him, uh, but I, I'd only do it if like he properly lived with me, like we shared a bed and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd find you his hardest challenge yet. 
I want to go to bed with him like Morecambe and Wise and just um, like <laughs> and just hang out and have him come to work with me. It'd be brilliant. I want him to sit under my desk when I'm at work like a little dog. Because <laughs> there's so much to unpack with you as a human being that you're semi-sane around around meeting people, but you have this god complex as well. But you're also <laughs> quite insecure, but also very narcissistic. You're just, you know, there's a 50-50 split either side. Do you know what? And I probably shouldn't admit this. Like, this is um, weird. Like, you saying about that, and that's all probably right. Mm-hmm. So, like, but I change on such a daily basis. Like, I was listening to one of our shows um, and sort of listening to it going, oh, I can't believe I was that outgoing that day. Like, I don't think I'll ever be able to be like that again. Like, and it's like, I, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm listening to I'm myself in awe of myself. <laughs> thinking i won't be able like thinking i'll never be able to do that again but um but there we go that's my life what i want to know what episode that was now just to know the level you aspire to i know i think it was actually quite a recent one i think it might even have been the jim carrey episode you were very excitable on that episode yeah 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 but i listened to it and go i wish i was more like that guy I'm going to do my number four, and then I'm going to ask you what you would want a documentary on, so I'm give you time to think about it, because I'm, cause I'm a right. nice person. Yeah, All right. have a think. All right, go. Uh, number four, I really like Louis Frew Behind Bars. Yes! Yes! So this is... He's done a... lots of bar- Behind Bars. He's done lots of jail ones. He has. This one particularly is where he goes to San Quentin, and he speaks to, you know, all the gang members and the serial murderers and the inmates and guards and all of that good stuff and it's i i find san quentin really fascinating as a place because it's like a really hardcore jail but everyone seems really nice there yeah kind of but i I actually saw an interview with louis and because like this is one of the go-to questions when you speak to louis through right because he's done all these jail stuff they're like oh when you fucking terrified to meet all these mass murderers and stuff in the jail and stuff and he says quite rightly he's like no because i'm there with a camera crew and there's absolutely no reason why why a murderer would attack me, yeah. which would put him in more trouble. Like there's nothing in it for him at all. You know, he just he just get in more trouble. He'd get a longer sentence, whatever. It just it wouldn't make any sense for those inmates to attack him. So he didn't feel threatened at all. Yeah, it's not how prison works. Like as you say, there's no benefit. He's not a guard. He can't get him out. He's not a child rapist that they want to take vengeance on. It's just a guy and the thing i found interesting about this documentary is it's probably laziest is probably the wrong word but it's probably the easiest job he had because everyone in there just just talks he doesn't have to probe or really delve in any deeper they just splurt whatever they want to hear yeah yeah. Uh, well it turns out that if you're a psychopath which you probably are if you've like killed lots of people and that um odds are you're also a narcissist well yeah exactly this is why um all of the Mindhunter stuff happened, you know, serial killers actually enjoy talking about what they did. They don't like keeping it a secret. They're pretty proud of it, shockingly. They love it, mate. They love it. Can't can't (laughs) shut them up when you get inside. You know how much I like Frero Roches? That's how much they love killing and talking. (laughs) Oh, Do you like Frero Roches? I do. I, I only said, well, not like especially. <laughs> I, only, I only said that because um, I've got lots downstairs and I was eating some just before we started. This oh, and show, I'm so fucking middle class. Is, 
the taste is fresh in my mouth. I got I bought them for Valentine's Day, all right? So I'm sitting here with a mini roll and a occasion. cheap knockoff beer, and you're sitting there with your with your fancy gold dress and your and your nutty chocolate. <laughs> it's it's actually a yellowing wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask why it's yellowing. Um, but behind Bar's interview is uh, is great. There was the bit he did with the guy who's serving like 500 years plus a life sentence. Yeah, I don't think you'll see that out. <laughs> I believe in him. It, it's an excessive <laughs> sentence. And I kind of love that about America. And I, I presume we do it to a degree here as well. But 500 years is just like, it's a bit overkill, isn't it? So I think, so what I think, I might be wrong, but I think what they do is like, so a standard life sentence is like um, 25 years or something yeah. in, um, but a lot of judges in America give people life sentences times the amount of victims they have, if yes. you see what I mean. So they're like, oh yeah, you need to like pay for everyone you've killed. So if you've killed four people, you're already up to a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. And this guy very nonchalant in the interview this is what i was saying about he didn't really have to try um he did home invasions and not he hadn't killed anyone but he was like did i did a lot of torturing like i messed up a lot of people's lives i did just really really casually about it just a lot of torturing lou was like why did you have to torture people and he was like just needed information really so what option did i have had to do a bit of torturing and Louis like, well, what kind of torturing did you do? Like, you know, just dunking people in hot tubs for long periods of time. And he kind of stopped himself there because I don't know why he's not going to incriminate himself. He's there for 500 years. I'd tell him all of it. But he just, uh, yeah, and 500 years for a non, non-murder. non And also, I find interesting about America, you get a free strike rule. So you can do like free petty crimes, but that can equal to a larger crime of a life sentence. Really? Yeah, this. Um, so, so like, what? So you get caught for doing graffiti three not times, graffiti. and so they're like, you, "Okay, we're going to hand you a rape charge." If you do an armed robbery, get released. Yeah. So, so you serve like five, six years. Uh, yeah. Never armed robbery without harming anyone. You do another one. A never armed robbery. Boom! Immediately twenty five years to life. Ah, okay, because you're not learning. You're not learning your lesson, are you? Yeah, I get it. So, there's a great podcast series that after you've listened to us, you should check out. Uh, it's called Ear Hustle, and it's it's fantastic because it's uh, done by two inmates who are actually in San Quentin, and it's a podcast that they do as part of the the media program at the prison, where they talk about life actually in prison, and they interview inmates about what they're in for, and they, they talk about all the stuff Louis talks about about the the gangs and stuff, and the like relationships between males and transitioning males and. It's really cool that so you know the typical groups that he mentioned in your documentary. You've got your, your black people, Hispanic people. Those That's are the perfect. kind of people he covered in um, in this podcast, Ear Hustle. There's also the the D twenties, which I thought was a really cool sounding group. But it's the it's the nerdy lot who like to play Dungeons and Dragons together. They've got their own little Aww. clique. How adorable That's is that? Nice. I want to go to prison now. Yeah, and they they're talking about their music programs. There's a guy that plays some songs, um, and then there's some more harrowing episodes where they they put victims with like the murderers of family members while they've served time and stuff and they just get to talk to each other it's really really fascinating like if you like prison stuff and you found this documentary really interesting go check out ear hustle and off the back of ear hustle the guy that did it um oh shit i'm forgetting his name right now he actually ended up getting released from prison Oh, nice. Well, that's kind of, sort of bad, though, because uh, that's the end of the podcast, right? I, they have continued it since then, but um, 
with him. And now he's like this massive podcast speaker. He travels all around the world um, and does all of this stuff. And it's really cool. That's cool. Yeah. So check it out. Do a revisit and go see this dude. Yeah, exactly. I think he'd do it. Actually, that's who I'd like him to do a documentary on. This guy. This guy. This guy. So, yeah, I really like it because I'm kind of fascinated by San Quentin and just the whole American prison system to me is a little cray compared to ours. Ours just seems a little bit chill. Yeah. Yeah, ours is quite chill. uh, Yeah, ours is sort of... um, Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. I've never been, but it's um, sort of... It's got this sort of um, more gritty feel about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, as most things in Britain do compared to um compared to america yeah you picture like bronson underground with brick everywhere and that that's the kind of prison idea you get it's not like that you know everyone's having a lovely time (laughs) exactly yeah they're all having a laugh at us mate (laughs) they've got it made in there (laughs) pissing themselves well we you know we did know someone that, that went to prison and when when rob talked about it it didn't sound that bad did it no, he had a good time. He um had um he uh, he had to be really well behaved for six months, and then they let him have a PS2 in his room. Yeah, with a little telly, and um he did share a cell with someone, but um he said they got on all right, like they didn't get in each other's way. Um, just the one like thing they wouldn't out. let him. Yeah, the one thing they wouldn't let him have was a guitar, which is so. So he did go like just over a year without ever playing the guitar. He was a very good guitarist, but other than that, um yeah, sounds that, all right. That, that was the real prison for him. <laughs> yeah. Let me strum a C. <laughs> oh, my fingers are so soft now. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my actually, before I move on to my next one, I was thinking about the question of what Louis Theroux should yes. do one on. Um, he's never done anything on the drag queen industry. I think that Ooh. could be quite interesting. Yeah, but that'd be um, so nice and fun, though. Yeah, there's nothing like really bad to uncover there, is there? It's just pretty like, good vibes. Obviously, there's a lot of background of abuse and. and- drugs and issues and past and acceptance of stuff but the actual community is very supportive of each other so i guess he could delve into the pasts so you go yeah or like go into like go to new york and find the um sort of working drag queens do you know what i mean that do um bars every weekend or probably every night and just like their lives and how they cope with it and stuff because there's you know there's a drug element to that as well you know keeping that kind of performance up yeah, and, totally. And doing that kind of stuff. So either that or another thing I thought of, but it wouldn't really work nowadays. But if like Louis Theroux was back in the 80s or whatever, do football hooligan gangs. I think that'd be really interesting seeing how, because they don't really exist anymore like they used to. But Louis I, I, following football hooligans would be awesome. I still would like one on the football yob culture because I was in um, Brighton this weekend and obviously there was a football game going on and like I was at the train station and it was just disgusting. Like it, it actually made me angry. Like physically, <laughs> this is more middle class. Go on, Max no, Arthur. No. Robert. <laughs> but it's just it's such childish behaviour in the sense of they had to be corralled into this pen. There was eight <laughs> horse horseback uh, police officers, four riot vans, everyone in riot gear. Yeah, for, for a fucking Brighton and Hove Albion game, and they they physically have to be walked from Brighton train station all the way up to the stadium because they can't be trusted to walk on themselves. Like, what's it's the not fucking they, point? It's not that they can't be trusted, particularly. Of course, it I is. Mean, it's it's the police that have decided to do that based on like, previous actions. 
Yeah, probably based on previous actions. Definitely but... based on previous actions. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on the club. I'm a West Brom supporter, and whenever I go, we never get that. Tr- like, we've never had anything like that. We're all left to ourselves. We go to a very yeah, nice pub. And, and that's and fine. There's and there's away fans and home fans in the pub together, and no one bothers each other. It's nice. Yeah, didn't happen in Cheltenham or like, you know, even Birmingham was pretty well behaved for, for all the stuff. Like, there was a couple of times when vans and stuff had to be called in but to have that level of police enforcement just really pissed me off yeah fair. I, I quite like it i quite like the sort of dirtiness of it it makes me happy um yeah anyway um so uh my next one um yeah. this this is um, a bit of a niche one i think and it sort of gets forgotten quite a lot so this one is called um louis martin and michael Referring to Louis Theroux, obviously. Martin Bashir, who was a Ooh. documentary maker for ITV. And um, Michael Jackson. So um, I'm sure a lot of people will remember the Martin Bashir, Michael Jackson documentary that came out in, I think, 2004, which was the first time someone had ever got all access um, to Michael Jackson. Martin Bashir basically lived with him for like a month and just covered everything about Michael Jackson and Martin Bashir was quite sort of snivelly with it. Did you, did you ever watch it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this when it came out. So Martin Bashir like, had his nose right up Michael's ass, didn't he, when he was talking to him and stuff. And he's like, oh, Michael, uh, oh, you're so brilliant. And then, and then like, the voiceover would come in, like, Jackson's behaviour was starting to disturb me. <laughs> Things like that. And it's like, <laughs> what a horrible, dishonest man. But, um, and, and to be fair, there was some weird shit that went on, but we all know what Michael Jackson was like. And um, Allegedly. But, it was allegedly that was me touching wood and um, the table. Nothing, nothing sinister. Um, and um, Jesse was starting but... to make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it was, um, but it was between when this happened. It was between Martin Bashir at ITV and Louis Theroux at the BBC. Michael Jackson basically had the choice of these two people to do a documentary on him, and he chose obviously he chose Martin Bashir with ITV. And um, Louis was understandably annoyed about that. But he went, fuck it. Let's just go there anyway and just sort of follow what Michael Jackson's up to with Martin Bashir and try and get an interview with Michael Jackson or try and meet him. And um, that's what he did. And what was cool about it is the documentary very quickly became... Um, are you doing a slow clap? Lay it on us, Jesse. <laughs> um but he um so it became a documentary more about louis through himself and his own difficulties and insecurities about the fact that he didn't get this job and he felt like he deserved it and watching the martin bashir documentary louis through absolutely did deserve it he would have done a much better job but um it it's really interesting watching louis follow them and be all these massive moments happened during this documentary right so like you remember when he Michael Jackson hung his baby out the balcony and nearly dropped him and that that yeah. was um that went massive. That happened. Like Louis Theroux was in the horde of crowds down below when that happened, um, doing this documentary. And he gets an interview with um Joe Jackson, Michael Jackson's dad, um, mm-hmm. a couple of times, um, which doesn't go well. He has to pay a lot of money um to get the interview because they're carny motherfuckers. And um yet gets barely anything from the interview and he says something like um like do you think michael jackson will ever settle down with um, a girlfriend or a boyfriend and and like him saying that and then joe jackson is immediately like well you you saying my son's a faggot and all this shit you know and it's like whoa like (laughs) that's a bit much (laughs) 
And it's yeah, and, and Louis Theroux's like, well, I don't, I don't know Michael Jack. You know, I've never met him. I'm just, I don't know anything about his sexual orientation. I'm just saying. And um, but yeah, Joe didn't take that well. And there was this bloke called Magic or something. Do you remember it? He was a magician. Um, but he became a sort of personal friend of. Um, he became like what? His name was Magic. He was a magician. <laughs> I, maybe his name wasn't Magic. I think my brain just went. Can't remember his name. He done magic. Probably. I hope it magic. was. I think we should all be named after our jobs. I think <laughs> that's all I want. Um, but he, um, but he was like a mental bloke who um, was a close personal friend of the Jacksons, and he hooked up this Joe Jackson interview and stuff. Um, but it was just all mental. And it was Louis Theroux clutching at straws, just trying to get some material for this documentary and um, not really succeeding. But it's still really interesting watching the struggle of a documentary <clears throat> maker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Because obviously wasn't going to get access at, at that point. And I really want to go back and watch the the interview, uh, the Martin Bashir one. Because like I watched it when I was 13. And even, yeah. <laughs> at age 13, even I went, hmm. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, it does seem a bit weird. So, so um, now I as an actual journalist YouTube. graduate, I really want to, you know, see it and go, yeah, this isn't right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, Michael Jackson's a weird one. There's such a generational gap between... So I play... Have you ever met Kira, a girl I play in yeah, the band yeah, yeah. with? Right, so um, Kira is um, a friend of mine who I play in a band called Throne together with. Um, she's a great singer. Um, she's currently um, in Dublin in a um, performance of Sister Act, which um, I will send you the picture of Kira doing a promotional shot um, in Sister Act. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life, although dressed as a nun. But um, anyway, sidetracking. Uh, she is younger than us. She's 20, I think, maybe 21. So like nearly 10 years younger than us. Um, and Michael, so she was like a child when Michael Jackson died, right? And Michael Jackson to her is a completely different thing than Michael Jackson to us. So, like, maybe it's because my mum was a massive Michael Jackson fan as well. But I see Michael Jackson's face and it comforts me in a strange way because I watched so much of his stuff when I was a kid. And like, I was a huge fan of the Thriller music video. I think it remains like my favourite music video of all time. Um, just the, the whole thing's brilliant. And I just really liked Michael Jackson and find his face like sort of... Yeah, it just looks nice to me. Whereas to her, he is fucking nightmare fuel. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like she's like it's like a real life horror when she sees Michael Jackson because she grew up in an era when he was this suspected paedophile the whole time. Whereas there was a brief period when we were kids that he was just the eccentric pop star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but okay. So, is your viewpoint? Do do you believe he is a paedophile? I think he's the greatest child's entertainer of all time. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I honestly can't answer that question because I so badly want to believe in um, the the law and like the judicial system of America and England and anywhere else. Because I think if you doubt it, that is the beginning of the end of civilization. Because that's the whole reason it's there, and they proved beyond reasonable doubt apparently that he is not a paedophile mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's all a bit weird isn't it <laughs> <laughs> apples and pears mate yeah <laughs> yes. swings and roundabouts which is often where you can find michael uh, but it's um, yeah it's a really um it's a really it's a real weird one do you think he was no, no, I've always... Um, oh, really? Yeah. No, I, oh, I you went the other way with that one. I thought you were leading me down the garden path to go, nah, he's a monster, he's a monster. 
no it's uh like i never want to obviously disprove or you know say people weren't abused or or anything like that because if if that's something that you know happened and it, it's a very hard thing to kind of argue against you know when when people come out with those kind of accusations it's just it it doesn't fit like the narrative just doesn't fit in terms of what makes sense and who's come forward and yes michael jackson behaved let's say inappropriately around children in the sense of it's a bit weird to have them like sleeping in your bed and all that kind of stuff from a normal societal standpoint but whether he actually yeah. did something with them in in the beds I, I i just can't no it just it doesn't add up like there's so many other people in the spotlights i don't know it just doesn't add up to me like the stories that i've read and the the statements from the people it just doesn't make sense he seems too um asexual doesn't he yeah like, there's just nothing if there's one thing this martin bashir documentary put across it is that he genuinely is like a fully grown man child do you know what i mean yeah yeah that, that that's exactly it and it's yeah there's just no sexual bone in his body there's no like predator vibe because people give off predator vibes yeah but I, i'm trying to think of like any other like celebrities that have become well yeah there is like people like rolf harris right that was a shock because rolf harris was uh, literally a children's entertainer and um seemed like there wasn't a predatory bone in his body like obviously Savile which we'll talk who we'll talk about later um for obvious reasons um like you could it's not a shock is it do you know what I mean when you hear that Jimmy Savile was a terrible person like he didn't look like a particularly nice person whereas Rolf Harris seemed lovely so it is Rolf Harris is kind of our Michael Jackson yeah but I think with Michael Jackson the, the narrative came after the fact so it's oh it came out with this documentary that he lets you know kids stay in his bed and stay over at Neverland, and he's built this this wonderful home for children to visit and make them feel happy, make him feel happy. And then there's like the accusations. Came, so the first accusation came out in '93, right? Yeah. So, and the, the way they talked about it was like kissing and masturbation and, and oral sex that the first kind of allegations came out with, and. It just seemed ah, it's so hard to kind of explain without being really offensive to the victims, you know. <laughs> and I'm yeah. trying not to do that. Yeah, it is. It's a real tough one, and there's a reason, you know. If fucking hell, if we can't crack it, do you know? What I mean, it's it's a yeah. massive unsolved thing. We're not um, going to come to the conclusion over this, but I'm I'm just saying that I feel like there would be continuous cases. It wouldn't just be you know one rule for one kid, one rule for another kid. Yeah. Although Michael Jackson's not really dead, he's just dressed up as Janet and he's living his life that way because they look exactly the fucking same. She's kind of retransformed herself recently. She's got rid of all of the shit and she looks uh, like a normal human being. Oh, really? Yeah, but I know what you mean. There was a time where they were just like, whoo, you need to stop going to the same doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I need to. All right, I'll give um, Janet an old Google later. Give it, a, give it a go, mate. Would you ever get plastic surgery? Yep. On what? Are you kidding me? The second, the second. <laughs> Are you uh, kidding um, me? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> the second. I don't know if it counts as plastic surgery. Getting your teeth fixed, it doesn't count as plastic surgery, does it? Like, no, I think I, anything outside. Okay, so, um, so that's one thing I would get. Like, if I won the lottery or something, or became like 
randomly really rich, I would get my teeth. Not that I've got really horrible teeth or anything, ladies, but um, <laughs> but like everyone's teeth could be a bit nicer. Like you could, all Americans all get their teeth done, don't they? And they look lovely. So I could I could do that. Um, what else? Would I? I don't know. I don't think I would particularly um, get anything done. Would you? You'd sort out that massive football head, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, that that new procedure <laughs> where they just deflate it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then it comes back up to the right size. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine it like because you know, like football head, like American footballs, like Hey Arnold. Um, I imagine them deflating you, and you just having it all saggy at the sides, <laughs> like um, like Dobby the house elf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's really really offensive is when uh... <laughs> you 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 are you are really offensive. <laughs> no, like when. So I've uploaded some some pictures in the past of uh, when I was when I was a younger lad when I was a younger it was really big and then not just one person but multiple people who don't know each other from different areas of the world (laughs) all friends of mine have commented well you grew into your head didn't you (laughs) and it's like thank you but what was funny about it's true but what was funny about you when you were younger is like you did have the massive head but your features didn't weren't the same size so like you you had you had this tiny little face in the middle of your massive head (laughs) (laughs) you look like um do you remember when they put faces on fruits for the um fruit the crazy fruit twist things yes jesse yeah you look like the apple mate (laughs) (laughs) but now i've grown into my face and i'm a blossoming beauty it's still big, but it's all there. It's all in proportion, at least. Um, <laughs> like, like in a game where you stretch out the features to match. Is that, that's yeah, what exactly. happened. That's what happened. Where so you, are wouldn't we? get any, you wouldn't get any plastic surgery then? I don't think so. Like, one of my ears pokes out a little bit more than the other and it bugs me. <laughs> Does it? Oh, my God. You're going to regret telling me that, mate. I've never noticed that. But that's going to be um, something I'm going to be looking at. And this is why we don't share. Yeah. Um, I've got nothing. We're going to be I'm... hanging out and you're going to be like, oh, look at you with your ears. And we're like, oh, look at you with your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> if you went bold, would you get air transplant? Yeah, yeah. Would you? Yeah. Even after that picture you showed me. Did you look at it? Yeah. Oh, you can't unsee that. I sent back, so um, it was on a subreddit. Oh, yeah, Reddit. I forgot other people were here. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, there's a subreddit called, I can't even remember which one it was on, just Awful Everything, I think. Yes. Um, so it's just the most horrible pictures of all sorts of stuff. And one of them was an infected hair transplant surgery. So it was just every single strand of what, what should be hair on a head was like just a ball of pus. It looked like um, a white And microphone. everyone stopped listening. Yeah, probably. But it was a horrible picture. But it's one of those things you just got to send someone. Like, I will never unsee that. So I need to make sure that Max will never unsee it either. That's how I live my life. Yep. So when we're 40 and feeding ducks together in the park, you can just be like, do you remember when? <laughs> yep. When we're what? When we're how old? Uh, what did I say? 60? Let's go 60. 60. I 60. think I said 40 and I was like... You did say 40. Like, that's not that long away, mate. Um, yeah, 60 feeding ducks together in the park. I've had, can we actually do that? Can we put a date in the diary? To feed I kind of want to do it when we're 40. I want to do it now. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Sack this off. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Let's go. Louis Good degree night, documentaries. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> um, right, okay. Moving on. So, um, are we at, what are we at now? You're two, isn't it? Uh, my two, yeah. Jesus, we fly through them. We're, this could be a half an hour podcast. We didn't talk so much about shit. Yeah, I know, but we do talk about shit. And I can't do. change my personality like that. 
Number two, my favourite children's book, Louis and the Nazis. <laughs> this is a really good one. This is one of the first um, sort of serious documentaries he did. Like all the Weird Weekend stuff was uh, added an element of comedy to it. Like he was deliberately seeking out some odd, like funny, eccentric characters. This is the first one that actually he's hanging out with people that ain't nice. And I got and I got a lot to unpack from this one. There's a there's a lot going on. So. Long and short of it, Louis travels to California and he meets the man that they call the most dangerous racist in America, who is Tom Metzger or whatever you say his name. Oh, yeah. oh, I like him a bit. But this is what, yeah, this this is what I want to kind of get to. And then he meets him, he meets his family, his publicity manager. There's a whole other topic we're going to talk oh, about. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes to I know skin- this one really well. I'd forgotten how well I know this one. Carry on. Yep. Skinhead rallies. They go on a visit to Mexico and then he encounters a Nazi pop folk duo, uh, Prussian Blue and their mother and maternal grandfather. And this is a doozy of a documentary it's so very nearly was my number one but there's something else we need to talk about as well so basically the most dangerous racist in america and i don't understand nazis jesse (laughs) um yeah white supremacy Um, white purity it's just it's so square isn't it like it's so square. <laughs> like, it is square. Like white people are so lame, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's like you know, like the black culture, like hip hop and things like that, is so cool. And I've always loved it. Like to actively um, say that black you hate black people and their culture and stuff just makes you look so nerdy and lame. But well, the start of this documentary is he's showing like Louis all of his, his drawings and stuff, and he then says. Uh, He's like, oh, all, all black people are ugly. He doesn't say black people. He says a not a very nice word. And then Louis gets uncomfortable. And Louis goes, you can't honestly believe that, like, all black people are ugly. And he goes, what about Denzel Washington? He's a great... And this Tom guy is this little turtle-looking bold man in his 60s. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm more attractive than Denzel. <laughs> and that's the thing Louis can't get over. He, he tops and tails this documentary with talking about that. And he goes, you can't be serious. You, you, you can't think you're more attractive than Denzel. And at the end of the documentary, he's talking to his manager and he goes, do you know, do you know what Tom said? He said he thought he was more attractive than Denzel. And his manager's like, he kind of is. Yeah, he's like, yeah, well, I believe he is. And Louis was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but that manager knows what side his bread's buttered, doesn't he? He, like, he's, he, he's, he's not... Is someone else yeah Yeah. let's package tom and the manager together then we'll get onto the skinheads and then the 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 girls so so tom and his manager and his manager is i think the only person i've seen or met who has no moral fiber in his being he was the ex-lawyer for pablo escobar and louis fru is trying to talk to him about (laughs) his um it's like you did some time in prison didn't you and he's like nah don't don't want to talk about that. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Let me show you this beautiful view of California. And then he goes, "Yeah, yeah, oh, I look did about... eagle. Let's get the fuck out of there." <laughs> but then Louis just asks him again. He goes, "Yeah, I did uh, some cocaine trafficking for for Pablo for a while, and I was meant to do eighty five years, but got away with it for free." And I was just like, "Jesus Christ!" He was proud of it as well. Yeah. And the thing with Tom is he. You know, he went to these like uh, skinhead and white supremacist rallies, and he's like this this godfather of uh, being a dick, and he's like the the idol of what they aspire to be. But then he's going down on an international business trip because he's an ambassador to Mexico. He's having a great time. He's got a sombrero on his back. He's he's, he's having a pub it. crawl. He's having a pub crawl in Mexico. 
Yeah, he, he's chatting up the Mexican ladies and having a great time. He can't get enough of it. And uh, and, and he said something like his manager was dating a, a, a Mexican woman. And he yeah, was yeah, that. And, and near the end, when he kind of humanizes Tom, Tom is uh, also a TV repairman. And his best client that he goes and meets is a man from Peru. And the Peruvian yeah. guy's like, I love Tom. Tom's like one of my closest friends. Yeah, the thickest that he's made. And and also, another bit I like, Tom talks about merchandise that he wants made. And uh, one of his ideas is that, yeah, is to have a like teacup or a coffee cup with his face on it. And, or like in the shape of his head. So you drink out the top of his head. I sort of want one. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would definitely, I would like, I would willingly put money into a Nazi's pocket <laughs> to, to have one of those cups. <laughs> and I just think it's the only time I would do that. Just in your delivery instructions. I don't condone your behaviour. In fact, it's deplorable. <laughs> However. But these cups are excellent. They're just brilliant design. Can't get enough of it. And the oh, thing is. Because he's, he's got a perfect shaped head for a little cup. He does. He's, a, he's a, as I say, he's a little round turtle headed man. Yeah. And Louis was like, what, did you just top off the top? And the manager's like, <laughs> like he never considered it. He was like, yeah, you cut off the top. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds like use, a good idea. Use one of his ears as a handle. <laughs> or make it double handled with both of his ears. That'd be brilliant. Exactly. You can borrow one of mine. <laughs> yeah, one of your wonky ones when you get it all sorted. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> but uh, so Tom is dubbed the most dangerous racist in America, which kind of gives me hope because Jesse's right. You do by the end when he's like his TV repairman and... You can kind of see he's just a bit of a misguided person. I find the other person in this documentary who will talk about April way worse as a human being than... than is that like, the mum? Yeah, so like, yeah. I'm not saying Tom is not a deplorable human being. He is because he spreads hate and is just so blind to the world. But the fact that he can have like a Peruvian guy and they both like, oh, we ignore each other's politics, but we get on. And then Louis in the car is like, you're a hypocrite because you, yeah. you can't say you want just equal whites everywhere and, and your friends were approving he's like i never said he was my friend i just said that in front of him to be polite it's like since when are nazis polite yeah yeah are you proud or not do you know what i mean it's the same Pick as aside, uh, tom yeah well it's the same as you talking about april um so she has a husband but they say that oh yeah uh, he doesn't want to be shown in this documentary because he's um i think they say he's a teacher right yeah. and he doesn't want um his him appearing on this documentary to interfere with his job and it's like, well, are you a proud Nazi or not? Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't care about... If you think it'll affect your job, that means that you know it's inherently wrong. Yeah. So that's going against everything that you're supposed to be about. It's, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, because Tom was on his best behaviour in Mexico. He was accepting, like, beers and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, the, it's the skinheads. It's the skinhead idiots, I think, are the, the kind of scariest. So... Louis is able to go and meet these guys. Um, oh, geez, yeah. And these guys... I, I, got, I gained so much respect for Louis in this scene. This, this is amazing because, like... Okay, so we'll fast forward a little bit. He meets these um, skinheads, and they're having a rally in the next couple of days, but he wants to meet them beforehand. And he meets all these people, and um, in their house, they've got, you know, Nazi flags and southern flags and all that kind of shit going on and they're talking and louis said something like the confederate flag is what you're thinking of you're yeah like, one of them yeah and he was like what if i was to tell you i'm i'm jewish and they went are you jewish and a normal person when confronted by skinheads being asked are you jewish would go no 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 i'm not but louis answer was i'm not going to answer that either way 
Yeah. The and he's not, for that. the record. Yeah, he's yeah. not. Yeah, he's not, but he still said, I'm not going to answer because um, I feel like by me answering the question, I'm acknowledging that it's important and I don't think it is. Yeah. Which is a fucking amazing answer. But, and something we all believe, I hope, but it's um, much easier to say that to you now than when you've got like a whole family of pretty scary looking skinheads like right in your face telling the cameraman to turn the camera off and all that shit like that's fucking gutsy shit exactly yeah they're like uh turn your camera off for a second we we want to talk about this a little bit further and he's like no not definitely not because he asked him like if i was jewish what would you do and the guy was like i'd beat you up really badly and dump you somewhere in town because i wouldn't want you on my property yeah. And he still stuck to his guns, and he was like, yeah, but I'm still not going to tell you either way if I am or I'm not. Yeah, fair play to him. It's yeah. awesome. And then he goes to this rally with a bunch of skinheads. Now, skinheads are shitheads, and I think they're the dumbest form <laughs> of Nazis. I think right. skinheads are the dumbest form of Nazis. Like, I think that's a fact. And the they're the ones that are most likely to fight as well. Yeah, exactly. Also makes them kind of the scariest. <clears throat> I don't want to fight. And the thing that annoys me is, obviously, you and me are quite obviously ingrained in the punk culture and it's it was pretty much our whole identity was was being in the punk culture and the nazi punks are such a bad element to what we have to deal with in in the punk subculture because they don't differentiate themselves that much from normal punks no it's yeah there are a lot of similarities i mean obviously the only real difference is uh, the shostikas well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's a group there, um, British based. They've been around for many, many years. Are you familiar with Sharp? Yes, I've been th- I've been thinking about getting a Sharp tattoo actually. So they are um, skinheads against racial prejudice, who are a bunch of. They're essentially a punk movement, um, proper lefty and um, just proper decent dudes. But yeah, they're awesome. But that's what I'm talking like. The um, they are essentially skinheads, but um, on the right side yeah and i actually had an encounter with this personally where my when i went to school in canada i went to high school over there and i met um you know i was getting the lay of the land meeting different groups seeing what's going on and i saw this group that were like all, all punky and stuff and i could see like some punk bands that i recognized and i was like oh cool you know i can see like bad brain sticker and all that kind of shit so i strike up conversation with one of them and you know pretty decent dude for like the first part of the conversation start talking about punk bands and all this kind of stuff i'm like oh cool i found like some guys that i can you know be friends with then the conversation turned to uh to white supremacy oh really but bad yeah. brains are like a jamaican a black well, this jamaican is the thing they fucking loved bad religion they love bad brains and then they start rattling off all of these like neo-nazi bands and i was like hang on doesn't make any sense yeah make well, any- that shows that just shows how stupid they are, doesn't it? They ain't listening to words. They're exactly. just like, oh, it's, it's fast music. So I slowly backed away from him, but for the rest of the year, he would like wave at me in the hallway and everyone was like, <laughs> are you friends with the neo-Nazi? I was like, I'm not friends with the neo-Nazi. I did not know. Was so, he uh... waving or was he just raising his arm? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't know what he's pointing at. He's just, he always always passed me in points. Don't always... <laughs> It's always pointed just above my head. Just above. <laughs> Nothing there. Ever. What's up there? I've got a little idea. Oh. But yeah, so um, be careful who you make friends with in the punk scene. 90% are lovely. <laughs> but uh, 10% could be Nazis. There's a great yeah. documentary Never on Never rule um, a Nazi out. Never rule a Nazi out. Not a great documentary. There's a great film called Green Room, which stars Patrick Stewart as the head of a Nazi punk clan. And it's one of the most 
tense, scary films I've ever seen. And it's about people who are going to play I'm a gig. A Nazi. Uh, that's yeah, that's the voice doesn't really carry does it um this this punk band go and play a gig at a um nazi compound because it's free pay and he one of them has the bright idea to play the dead kennedy song nazi punks fuck off and as you yeah. can imagine goes pretty much downhill from there <laughs> it's a good film you're right oh love it so much and finally last bit i want to talk about is the the bit that really kind of upsets me the most is the mother who April has the two so kids she's got two are they twins or sisters twins Twi- yeah yeah twins so two little blonde twin girls who are like 10 or something and um she's basically trained them up to be um awful because they're children but um a sort of du- musical duo where one attempts to strum a guitar and they both sing out of tune but they're singing these sort of nazi songs and they go to rallies and sing and stuff and they become sort of semi-famous on the skinhead circuit because they are these sort of cute little girls doing nazi songs uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's horrible seeing these two sweet sort of young girls and naturally sweet and childish as they should be, their children. And um, but spouting like parroting all this Nazi stuff that you can tell they don't understand. They've just been yeah. sort of corrupted by their parents. Exactly. And there's there's a bit in the documentary where the mum says, uh, you know, these two are going to be so important to the to the cause, because imagine, you know, in, in the skinhead community, there's going to be these two blonde blonde hair blue-eyed 16 year old girl singing you know white unity songs Who, what <laughs> red-blooded boy wouldn't want that and it's like i'm sorry you just say you're gonna whore out your daughter to <laughs> continue the cause of white supremacy i'm pretty sure that's what you said well i'm a red-blooded boy and i think it's disgusting <laughs> but when she said that I was, I was, i'm sorry what um and the opening of the documentary is them doing irish jigs around a nazi symbol on the floor and a swastika around the floor yeah that's been Sort of done by the mum by masking tape. Masking tape. And she is just the worst human being. And then you meet the dad uh, who uses the term Jewesses and kind of love the term Jewesses because it's so funny. Jewesses. You've got one one of them of your own, didn't you? Exactly. You date one of them Jewesses. (laughs) It's beautiful. Um, And then he like mocks Louis Farouk in a British accent until he leaves. And it's it's fantastic. It is a bit of a power move, though. It really is. It really is. Louis does back down (laughs) immediately. And it's like, there it is. There's the chain of the command. The the daughter learns it from the dad, and then the daughter teaches to the kids. And no shocker, they're homeschooled, so they can't have any other education. Um, But a silver lining to all of this, I did do some research because I got very, very sad after watching that documentary. Oh, did you look up the little girls? I did look up the little girls. I know this. Go on, spill. Basically, they had some weed. And now they're all good. They're, they're liberal pr- yeah. fuck. They're proper like little hippies. They're yeah. so like I don't know how old they are now, early twenties, I guess. And um, they're uh, yeah, they're like they're still doing music, but they're just a couple of hippies. It's brilliant. So God knows uh, what their relationship with their mums like now and stuff. But um, but yeah, all's all's well that ends well. That's what they say. Yeah, they they were they did it for quite a long time. So for them to kind of get out and experience it for themselves, and the mum is still kind of in their lives where she's like oh they're just peer pressured now and it was literally the girls went to a public school they went to high school got to meet other human beings as we all do you know once you meet other people of different race cultures and religions you go yeah so we're all pretty much the same cool and then you move on with your life yeah or, or we're not the same but that's what's so beautiful about about exactly. humanity yeah as well you know what i mean the differences are 
just as uh, uh, even more fun than the similarities a lot of the time. Yeah, I meant the basics of us being human are the same, but we just have different stuff going on that we can appreciate and learn from. I know what you meant, you fucking Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I always pointed above his head too to let him know that he had a good idea. There's always something. In this we story. had a game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's one of my. To let I, him know that he had a good idea. You got a good idea, mate. That's a really lovely way of disguising a Nazi salute. Isn't it? From now on, it's good idea. Whenever you see like old Nazi films or you see Nazis, just 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 think they're just pointing out a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like a little comic book character with a thought bubble. Mount the hate away, but uh, <laughs> it, it's one of my favorite documentaries. But one I don't like to watch very often because it really does make me sad that these kind of people exist. But also, if Tom is the most dangerous racist in America, I kind of have a little bit of hope. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. He spreads a lot of hate. He that's why he's dangerous because he spreads the hate and gets people to follow it. But you know, at least he's and not acting have, on it. Yeah, and if you have made those mugs, Tom, PM me. <laughs> We're not having a sponsorship deal. <laughs> Just pictures of us holding those mugs. Like, Next episode. This yeah, episode real is brought to you by. <laughs> real faint shots of us like pretending to sip out of them and stuff. <laughs> Pointing out good ideas. That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm drinking Nazi juice. Um, cool. So do, do I do my number one now? Yes. No, let's build it up a little bit, Jesse. Come on, you're better than that. What? What I got to do? Let people know why what we're doing. Come on. You're hosting this. Oh, number one. Right, this is the number one. This is the big one, baby. So I got number one. Max going to do number one. Then we're going to put it to a vote on Twitter to see who is most. Um, and we'll <laughs> see what happens. Like you have 20 seconds um, of concentration. <laughs> I forget. I completely forgot what, why I even started talking. Um, so my number one is, um, it's simply called Savile. Now, um, for anyone that don't know, um, Louis Theroux did a documentary years and years ago. He did a series called When Louis Met, and they were quite lighthearted affairs where he'd hang out with these kind of fringe celebrities like um, um, Udi Do, uh, Paul Daniels, he'd done. Oh, yeah. And um, that, yeah, that, so that, uh, he did the Hamiltons, who were like these sort of. Um, that one was fucking weird. That was, yeah, that one, that's, we could unpack that another day. Um, he did um, a bunch of people, and one of them was um, uh, Jimmy Savile, who at the time was a aging um, DJ um, and top of the pops presenter, who um, did a lot of charity work and um, built a lot of hospitals, and um, was just generally seemed like a nice guy. Then he dies years later. Jimmy Savile dies, and um, I don't. Everyone listening probably knows this, don't they? But Americans might not. Jimmy Savile's not like wasn't a celebrity in the same way over there. Um, so Jimmy Savile dies and all of a sudden this shit comes out and turns out he was like one of the biggest monsters ever. He was just like raping kids and or just anybody he could get his hands on really throughout his whole life. But because he did all this charity work and was so loved by the general public, it was kept kind of hidden and until like a couple of years after his death. This sort of uh, hit Louis through pretty hard, as you'd imagine, because not only had he done this um, documentary with him, but they'd stayed in touch and become, Louis through says, you know, they'd become what he would consider quite good friends and mm. would regularly talk. Um, and he talks about it again, his audio book, which um, is well worth a listen, I promise. Um, he Loads of it is about Jimmy Savile. 
And um, it's really interesting sort of how close they were. And Louis Theroux is racked with guilt, right? As you sort of would be, because he thinks, right, what the fuck did I miss? Like, why I could have, like, saved all these people. There's even one point where he talks about he got called by these two girls who um, met him for a coffee and talked about how Savile would, like, shag him, basically when they were 15 in the 70s and stuff. But even then, Louis just sort of put it down as the behaviours of celebrities from a bygone era. Do you know what I mean? And um, it's like, oh, yeah, they probably all did. And then it's not until... And they did. Years later, well, yeah. But it's not until years later he realises that what he thought was um, these two girls just saying about how much they love Jimmy was actually a bit of a cry for help. And so he does this... Anyway, he does this documentary after Jimmy Savile's died. Basically... Um, examining himself and what he could have done. And he also goes and speaks to um, some of the victims and also Jimmy Savile's uh, former personal assistant, who's a really interesting character. So you haven't seen this one, have you? No, I've not watched it. Right, give it a watch when you get a chance. So um, in between victims, he goes to the PA who um, had been like Jimmy Savile's PA for 30 years or something. Like, she reckons knew him better than anyone. She spent more time with him than anyone. He never, like, noshed her or anything. And um, <laughs> they was um, all Thank goodness you were never a lawyer. <laughs> never noshed no one, Your Honour. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then, all of a sudden, one day, he just fired her for no reason. And it, it was like, that's a narcissistic sort of sociopathic thing to do right like it was like just because he could he was like look like no one's um no one's close to me this person who's probably been you know seen more of me than anyone else the last 30 years boom i could just sack her like that and it was like this ultimate power move that he did um and but even after doing that and now she still maintains his innocence and she's like i i love jimmy and and it's just amazing that jimmy savile must have had this charisma that um, it he, he had her under his spell. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I, I heard think... a really lovely description of charisma recently, and it is um, to convince others to do what you want, regardless of logic. Like, that's essentially what charisma is, right? And, yes. um, and Savile did that with this personal assistant. So after 30 years, he just sacked her just like that. And yet she still stuck by him, like had pictures of him um, like up in her house of them together. And um, brilliantly, she even had um, a full made um, Lego model of Jimmy Savile's face in her carriage. <laughs> Which, um, yeah. So Legoland, you know, Legoland make all the big like Lego impressive stuff. They'd done one of Jimmy Savile, which obviously got taken down quite quickly. And uh, she got it. They gave it to her. So she's got a massive Jimmy Savile face made out of Lego. <laughs> <laughs> but she keeps all this stuff and maintains his innocence and says, oh, you know, she's um, br- he's brilliant at that. Um, but then this is interspersed with him speaking to the proper victims and it's harrowing. And um, there's a really lovely, uh, I say lovely, uh, you'll sort of see what I mean. Like um, he's speaking to this one lady and her two daughters at the end. And um it, the the interview almost gets reversed. Like they're talking about how she was a victim and what happened, and then this lady starts asking Louis, "Oh, how did you feel when you um, watched it?" And all these victims as well say when they watched the first Savile documentary with Louis through, they were all watching it, going, "Poor Louis, he's been taken in by Savile's spell, just like everyone else." And it's really interesting watching the when Louis met now, and um, mm. it's obviously not on iPlayer, but I think you can still find it on YouTube. 
and um, seeing how he does take people in under his spell. And um, but the way that this interview gets reversed and this lady is basically interviewing Louis and talking about it is a really interesting insight and just puts a nice full stop um, to the controversy with Louis Theroux and Jimmy Savile. That sounds beautiful. I think I it's really good. Out. It's yeah. It's um, it's obviously got harrowing um, accounts from victims and stuff in it, but is still um, really well done and and oddly touching the way Louis connects with these victims. You know, one thing I was thinking during that, and the the answer is fairly obvious, but the comparison between we were speaking about Michael Jackson earlier and how <laughs> after his death, you know. Well, before his death stuff came out, but then after his death, even more came out in another documentary, which was really, really damning of him. Um, And I sat here on this podcast and I said, yeah, don't believe it. Whereas Jimmy Savile, who, as you rightly mentioned, is a charity worker, you know, he was the salt of the earth of, you know, British character and all this kind of stuff. Accusations come out. I believe it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but there's something about, like the validity of the accounts as well and and it was so such an open it, it and now we find out it was this massive open secret in show business as well mm, yeah that's uh, there true was a bit weird going on you know but do you know what's really funny is uh, when um all this first happened like when and i said so jimmy savile died for anyone that doesn't know he died and he wasn't outed for all of this stuff until like a year after his death so he got away with it to all intents and purposes and um what's really funny is that um when all this came out in the media it reached America a bit, but Americans don't know who Jimmy Savile is. Like, he's just not a celebrity over there. So they're watching the news and going, oh, yeah, this British celebrity um, that was famous for, like, 50 years, no one knew that he was a paedophile, and it's just come out. And then they show a picture of him, and all these Americans are going, you didn't know that he was a paedophile. <laughs> like, you look at Jimmy Savile out of context. It's like the most typical nods you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> it's yes, yeah, true. It really is true. <laughs> oh, ch- yeah, child TV programs just dressing in his dirty tracksuit with his gold, yeah, yeah, with his cigars as well, and like it's just all the most sort of the most cliche nods you've ever seen in your life. Americans are like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, British people?" <laughs> we have our icons and we stick to them. Damn it! <laughs> and then it started a massive witch hunt of. Um, all the 70s celebrities there were people like well, Rolf Harris who we mentioned earlier um yeah who got taken down another big kind of shock with that one who else did they go I remember when they accused um who did they accuse Cliff Richard and I, I swear yeah, and they, they, based uh, and they completely they rinsed his house like with, yeah. without a warrant and stuff yeah and then the news was like oh they found another one like they were looking for truffles it was like, oh, yeah, we got another one. Old calendar boy over there. Look at him, yeah, he must be. Cliff. And then Cliff's like, no, I just really like Christianity and calendars, guys. Yeah. And turns out he does. Yeah, I think he's definitely gay. Like, he's lived with his friend um, for years and years and years. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong going on there. Exactly. Um, he, I, I used to love his calendars. I used to work at HMV, and every year when his calendars would come out, it was like, the absolute highlight of my year looking through that thing in most of them he looked like he was ready to keel over yeah how old is he he's not a well so i just said he's doing, he's doing, I just so saw... i know 
No, I know, but I'm doing. Um, so he's. I think he's 80 this year, man. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah, and I only know that because um, the um, I've been doing some gigs recently, and the sound engineer on those gigs is also going to be the sound engineer on Cliff Richard's 80th anniversary tour. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Right. I can't top that. <laughs> I know. I got friends in high places, mate. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we love Cliff. He's he's a shining shining light. He and is. He's, he's do... very much the the British Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> Kept in good shape though. If you look at those calendars, keeps in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, if I ever had plastic surgery, I'd probably go to Cliff Richard's plastic surgeon, or right. um, or Sharon Osbourne's. Um, no, maybe not Sharon's. Sharon Osbourne's plastic surgery is tip top, mate. Like if you were going to get plastic surgery. You would want to look like Sharon Osbourne. Would I? <laughs> I feel like yeah. something's gone wrong if that happens. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not you, but if you were lady, like you'd want, um, you definitely want to look like Sharon Osbourne. She looks tip top, mate. I'd like to look like Gwen Stefani. She hasn't aged in thirty years. Yeah, that's true. But you think Sharon Osbourne? How old is Sharon Osbourne? Let's have a goog. Sharon Osbourne. She is. Sharon Osbourne age is literally the first thing that comes up when you sixty-seven. Google. 67, right? And she looks banging. She's fit as a fiddle, sharp as a thistle. Um, <laughs> Any other? <laughs> clean as a whistle. Born in Brixton. Never knew that. Fun fact. There you go. Uh, what, what were we talking about? Paedophilia. That was it. Paedophilia and Savile. But yeah, um, yeah, Louis Theroux and that is... Um, he does, uh, he does a really good job with this. And his book as well is very Savile heavy and really interesting. Yeah, um, I do worry about you in some ways. Not that you're going to end, end up being a bit <laughs> Jimmy Savile-ish, but I feel like what? there's there's going to be someone in your life that I have to look at the signs in the past for. Like what? what I do don't know. What's wrong with me? You, you talk about kicking lambs a lot, mate. I talk about kicking lambs to death on almost a daily basis. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. Hey, can I... My luck. Um, no, actually, I won't because um, it's um, libelous. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you stopped yourself before a liable no, comment. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, maybe I'm growing up a bit, but um, yeah, there, there's some. I'll, I'll tell you off air, and then if you think it's acceptable, I'll say it next week. <laughs> <laughs> Intro is just dropping in something really horrendous. Everyone's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> been two weeks don't understand uh yes fan- fantastic choice um i haven't seen it but from what you've described that does sound very interesting as a watch and very harrowing for the guilt perspective that he must have felt yes um, I yeah. yeah go go and uh, by the way this one that you've chosen just so everyone knows when they start voting this would have been my number one but max was like oh but that would have been my number one as well so i said um <laughs> what was that time. voice you can- <laughs> That was, Mr. <laughs> that was yeah that was wasn't it that was like a butler meets dot cotton um <laughs> jesse's aspirations i love dot dot cotton cotton. so much you know how much i love dot cotton she retired recently from eastenders and i was genuinely really sad about it i'm gonna get a tattoo of her one day i've told say, you about this do you remember when you said you're gonna get a tattoo on of dot cotton i'm still gonna yeah, yeah, yeah i'm still gonna like a sort of cartoon with her with a fag hanging out of her mouth it would be brilliant. no i want you to get you know like those proper photo because jesse's got shit tattoos for anyone who doesn't know him he's got really cartoony <laughs> like weird tattoos and i really want you to get a beautiful you know those proper photograph tattoos where it's yeah, like so really real. well done like, yeah, yeah yeah i want you just to spend some money on that 
All right. Just a just, dot. Just so it looks so ridiculous next to everything else. Well, the fag I get out of that laugh. Yeah. yeah, I'll get it on like my shoulder blade really big or something. I said to you the other day um, that I want to get a Billy Connolly tattoo, which I genuinely do. And on the subject of all this, you did say, like, awesome, that's a great idea, but wait until he's dead, um, been dead for a bit, um, just in case, just in case some you tree or me too comes out about him, which it obviously won't. Obviously won't. A national, obviously won't, because Billy Connolly is, like, the perfect man. But... You, you, you just, if the world has shown us know. anything, it's that you never actually know. So, yeah, give it a bit. And very wise words, Max. So, I will wait for my Billy Cumberland tattoo. I think that's the best advice I've ever given you. I think it is. I'm going to take it to heart. That. Whereas Doc Cotton, like, she's a free for all. So, I'm going to get her on me as soon as possible. I just typed in a Jimmy Savile tattoo to see if people did. And the top images are Rolf Harris number one. And then we've got <laughs> Gary Glitter, Jimmy oh, Savile. Yeah, then we've got uh, Bill Crosby, and then just a picture of Ian Watkins. Oh, nice. Lost Profits, Ian Watkins, not um, hate. <laughs> yeah. All of these pictures are just like sex offenders and Nigel Farage, I just saw. But we got uh, oh. Kevin Spacey as well. Oh, there you go. All our favourite sex offenders. <laughs> Top five. No. I told you to behave <laughs> at the start of this episode. Sorry, go. What's your <clears throat> number one? Do it. Number one is uh, the most hated family in America. This was all around the uh, Westboro Baptist Church lot, who were uh, not a very nice group of people. Or I aren't a very say, nice group of people. No, I would say that this is the documentary that made Louis through mainstream. I think you're right. Like, he'd done a lot before this, but I think it was on the. It was a li- still a little bit niche or a little bit sort of, um, sort of cult TV still, but this was a massive show. And it kind of made them a little bit more popular as well. People joined the Westboro Baptist Church having watched Louis Theroux's documentary. Does, does Louis just go, that's not why I'm... Oh, no. C- yeah, come exactly. back. Yeah, that's what he does, because he does a revisit, and he chats to a couple of people who did that. And he's like, I think you missed the point. <laughs> Watch it again. I'll explain to you. Um, so the Westboro Baptist Church, people who don't understand, it was uh, an organization by this family, and it's led by a man by the name of Fred Phelps, who is now dead. And uh, going to they- eat your babies! He's going to eat your babies. <laughs> exactly. And they believe that the United States government is immoral due to the tolerance of homosexuality. They protested funerals of US military personnel who were killed in actions with displays of signs saying such things as God hates fags and thank God for dead soldiers. You know, real family-friendly shit. Yeah. And they're just really deplorable people who don't really understand why they are. Um, they basically, um, they basically think the apocalypse is coming any minute, and they're the only people in the world that are following the Bible to its word, and the only people that will be saved by God. And the thing I, I don't understand about them is they, they literally shit on everything. They, they hate the country they live in. They hate every nationality. That it just, and also they kind of shit on God. They're like, you know. God did all of, you know, he made America immoral and he, he did all of this to, to America. And so I'm pretty sure the big guy's not going to be happy when you get to the gates. And he's like, what was all that stuff about me uh, me creating fags and not liking fags? Yeah, and they're going to be like, work? yeah, uh, that, that bit just baffles me. I don't understand that logic where they just shit on everything and even to a degree shit on God. Yeah, I agree. They There's not much logic there, but I think we knew that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
it's it's just how much they hold on to to that word. And sorry if the term fags offends anyone. It is a terrible word, and I hate it. But it comes up a lot in this documentary, so I can't get around not saying it. Yeah, and saying f's just sounds weird. Yeah, like you you don't know what I'd be talking about. So sorry if it offends you. I don't like it either, but I gotta say it in order to get the message across. Okay. Um, and yeah, they're showing up with all of these kind of um signs and stuff and it's fred phelps and the documentary mainly follows the daughter shirley phelps um and and her family and, and what's going on and stuff she's got like three daughters who all look exactly like her and exactly um, yeah and again she's got a husband who doesn't want to be shown on the documentary because even though he's a very proud member of westboro baptist church he believes that it would interfere with his professional life mm-hmm. which means he obviously knows that um deep down that it's wrong <laughs> Exactly. And you know what I found out about her, which I find really, 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 really funny. She was on a Channel 4 documentary and she said on camera that her oldest son, Samuel, was born out of wedlock. And according to her, anything done out of wedlock means you are going straight to hell. Yeah. And when they asked her about it, whether she would go to hell for actions, she said, I know better and I'd put that away. I'd put that behavior away so I am saved. I mean, just. Okay. Doesn't make any sense. Wow, that arrogance! You talk. We were talking about narcissism earlier. This is a whole nother level. Yeah, but do you know about one of her daughters? The one that abdicated. Yeah, Megan, I believe she's called. Um, yes, Megan Alps Roper. Um, she did a TED talk. Um, that is well worth watching if anyone's interested. So she left the church. Um, she's in this first documentary as very much part of the church. Um, and and. And the second documentary, I think. And then there's a third documentary where Louis Threw goes back for the final time. And you can tell he's doing it just because people have asked for it so much. He's like, right, I'm going to go back, burn all my bridges and be a dick to all these people. And then no one will ever ask me to come back and do this again. Um, and um, so the third one, he's um, chatting to Megan Phelps Roper having left. But the first two, she's very much in it. But it's amazing how brainwashed she was uh, that you see firsthand and then how she really did see the light, you know. That's what we're talking about in the in the Nazi one as well. It's it's the indoctr- indoctrination of the kids that frustrates me more than anything. Like adults are stupid. That that's just a fact. But when when they pass that hatred onto their children, and you got this seven year old who's getting drinks thrown at at him from a car because yeah. he's standing there with the you know God bless roadside bombs, not knowing what's going on, and he gets pouted with a drink from a car. It's just like. And and the parent and the fact that they take their kids to these picket lines and they send them to schools to promote the hate and stuff, it, I I just can't. I wish I could kind of get into that headspace of logic just to semi understand it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so difficult to do, isn't it? Like I think what it comes down to, and it's kind of the same with Nazis as well, is um, people like being part of a gang, and if people are. Um, a bit boring or a bit weird or not very good at making friends it's a really easy way to not be lonely do you know what i mean like yeah, you've but... sort of got this ready-made group of friends yeah but i'm all free of them jesse you don't see me putting out good <laughs> ideas or waving packards no but it's a matter of time isn't it mate <laughs> Well, that brings me nice on to my next point. There was uh, the guy I found most fascinating in the documentary was the guy who become a, became a recent convert. Like Louis, he had gone to shoot a documentary on the Westboro Baptist Church, and now he's touting signs and he hates the gays and 
he's yeah. called the error of his ways. And, and if you watch, and if you watch the most recent one, he's basically the boss now. He's like the 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 leader of Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, he worked his way up. You know, got to admire a bit of graft. Yeah. And yeah. the thing that I found most funniest is when he's talking about this. He's like, "Oh, it's just like you, Louis. You know, I wanted to come here. I wanted finances." And Louis was like, oh, "Did you hate gay people before you came here?" It's like, "Of course I didn't." You know, I was I was the smartest man alive. I was the smartest man alive before I came. He actually said I was the smartest man alive before I came here. Yeah. With no irony attached to it. <laughs> Just amazing. And also there's a bit where him and Louis are talking when they're doing a picket. And it gets kind of heated and Louis just trying to explain his point of view. And the guy's like, no, no, no. And he walks off and he goes, need a ride? <laughs> and Louis's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite bit of the documentary. I love it. No, it's uh, good, yeah. And the dad is, uh, it's the one person like Louis's never been able to kind of properly break, isn't it? Fred Phelps. Fred it's Phelps, just such a yeah. twat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't have to be Louis. I don't have to be impartial. Yeah. <laughs> what a twat. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, he was a twat. But um, he, I don't know. He, I, the dude could... Um, he must have had charisma as well to um, be in charge of that church, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's when Louis asks um, uh, the woman about... The daughter, sorry, about whether this is a cult or not. And he's just slowly explaining, like, yeah, it's a group of religious fanatical people who get together and they're led by a charismatic leader. And she just wasn't getting it, the point he was getting at. just. And I think that <laughs> speaks volumes to, to what it is. But... The silver lining I found about Phelps was um, he ended up suffering dementia in his final years. That's not the silver lining. I'm not a monster. And he started behaving. <laughs> Jesse's like, good. And he started uh, behaving very rationally. And the church said, oh, God has condemned him. And, you know, he's gone crazy. But basically, he just kind of softened at the end of his life. And there was a account published by by megan who we were just talking about that um in what was it uh in 2014 he stepped outside the church and went over to members of planting peace which is a non-profit that bought a house near theirs and painted the lgbt flag on it and he said you're good people so he had yeah. that kind of softening near the end and but that so, got him booted out. They basically overpowered him. Yeah, they excommunicated him from the church and was just like, nope, he's a crazy old dementia man. Yeah. Doesn't know and what he's saying. He, yeah, and then he died, but that's what happens to old people. Yeah, because it's not Megan that he kind of focuses on. He focuses on Megan a little bit, but there's another girl as well, isn't there? Another sister. Or does she just straighten her hair? I can never remember. Who? What, the another one that's left? No, there was another girl. I can't remember if it's another girl he interviews where she basically laughs at Louis because he's going to hell. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the other sisters, I think. Yeah, exactly. And she is just, uh, yeah, she's all types of messed up in terms of she just has so many trust issues brought on by the the way the family has to be treated and how she's at school. Because he's like, well, wouldn't you want to meet someone? And you're age 21 and you have to phone if you can go for a coffee. Like, that's not normal. And just yeah. laughs at everything uncomfortably and just like, ah, I like it. It's like, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't. No. Yeah, very, but very good documentary, very telling. And to, certainly to a British public, like we had no idea who the, um, who the Phelps um, Westboro Baptist Church lot were 
um, before Louis brought it to our attention. It was like, fucking hell. And like, the access he got was incredible. So mm. again, more amazing work from Louis Theroux. And they have kind of mellowed out in recent years. They're not as... I don't I think guess... they've mellowed out so much as um, they just don't have as much um, followers and stuff. Like since Fred Phelps has gone and stuff, they don't really have anyone in charge with a real direction. No. The, that charisma we were talking about before because yeah cults, it's not there anymore cults normally fall apart the minute you take out the leader yeah exactly you need a charismatic person like i said charisma is making people do whatever you want um regardless of logic and um fred phelps could do that this stupid idiot who used to be the filmmaker who's now in charge and anyone else who's in charge does not have that there's not an ounce of charisma in those people no not at all it, yeah it's very interesting and religious cult organizations or religious groups whatever you call them can be a very dangerous thing religion can be very important but when people start interpreting different elements for their own gain it's not good can we do top five stupid religions (sighs) (laughs) it's a lot of context on that one isn't it (laughs) Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be so offensive to everyone. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be no one that wouldn't be a little bit offended. I think that's true. We would take out. I don't know. There's some pretty stupid religions out there, like the spaghetti monster. No, they'd get offended, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone would get offended. Okay. Well, I thought a good stopping point for for all of this is you know episode 100. We just call it quits on a nice number, and we just go off out with the most horrendous episode possible. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Let's get um, Tommy from Louis and the Nazis on. <laughs> See if we bring a mug on with him. If he's still alive, he might be dead. I don't know. He was pretty old dead. That's quite an old documentary now. That's true, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't um, I'm typing Louis and the Nazis. It just sounds like a children book every time I type it in. Louis and the Nazis. Tom Metzger. Um, yes. Yeah, he lives. Um, he lives. 81. He lives. <laughs> Um, he lives, although his um, oh, his wife died in um, nineteen ninety two. So I guess um, that who we saw in the documentary was the second wife. Ah, uh, yes, because um, he called it uh, called her the girlfriend. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, he's still alive. That's good. Um, no mugs um, available yet, though. Yeah. Oh, interesting. He has been incarcerated in California and Canada, and has been a subject of several lawsuits. Uh, he and his son and War, which was this. Um, magazine he came up with were fined 12 million as a result of the murder of an ethiopian by skinheads affiliated with war so there you go it's passing on uh you might not do the damage yourself but if you spread the hate that's why he's the most dangerous man there you go you can buy a t-shirt that says got medica on it (laughs) i was uh ending on a serious point and jesse's like let's check out the merch see if he's got any pins going I wanted that damn cup. <laughs> well, it's your birthday coming up, so we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it is. You can get it that for me. I've got a Ted Bundy t-shirt that I like a lot, haven't I? You've got um, the ones the that they handed out during his execution. The yeah, Burn, it Bundy Burn, Burn. Bundy Burn with a picture of him on it. And yeah, they were um, selling them. Like It was like a little carnival outside the um, electric chair place when he got executed. And yeah, I've got a replica of one of them. I like it very much. It's one of my favorites. That would have been a weird environment. When we do our miscellaneous episodes, I think we're going to... I think our first miscellaneous episode, which is in about two episodes' time, we should touch on serial killers. Yeah, I'd love that. I know so much random shit about them. 
Jesse knows too much and too pay very close attention to his wording and slight admiration <laughs> of some of them. Yeah, well, um, we'll see. Like you say, there's, there's something about me that you're not sure of. Like my accent needs to be At this point, I'm just along for the for the end result. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> it's good. You're my, um, you're the Jericho to my Benoit. <laughs> He's uh, sorry, people who are still listening. Um, you know the <clears throat> series that they do, the darker side of the ring. Yes, he's narrating the Benoit episode. He's doing the whole of series two, but yeah, the Benoit episode oh, right. is going to be in there, which is going to be amazing. Right, he's fucking coining it, isn't he? Off oh, of, he's, um, he's, Benoit. he's got it made. Um, yeah. yeah, if no one's seen the Darker Side of the Ring, even if you're not a wrestling fan, they have them on 4OD and stuff. Fascinating little bits of uh, history and documentary about some of the really horrendous stuff. We actually did an old episode of the darkest moments in wrestling. And a lot of what we talk about in there is touched in these documentaries and they're just really well put together. So if you're in a documentary mood and you watched all the Louis Free ones, check out Darker Side of the Ring. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, you'll get something from it. Nice. But anyway, Louis Through is awesome. Um, if you want to know more about Louis Through, if you're American and don't know much about him um, and you are you like podcasts, um, Joe Rogan podcast is a very popular American podcast that y'all like. And um, Louis Louis has been on it twice, and they're both really, really interesting and really interesting conversations. That's so, a good way to know Louis. Yeah, and search out his documentaries. I don't know if you have them on Netflix. We've got them on Netflix and iPlayer here, but I imagine it's the kind of thing that would just put on American Netflix. So uh, have a search, see what you can find. He's got a new book out as well, so uh, go and find out where the good retail books are sold. He hasn't paid us to say anything. Or get the audiobook because him reading it is absolutely brilliant. I might get the audiobook because uh, I've I've seen it just before we came on. I've become a bit of a fan. I've read, I've listened to two now. Yeah, do it. So uh, I'll let Louis sing me to not sing to me. <laughs> Hello, Max. <laughs> as I uh, go to work in the morning. Yes, excellent. Right, we hope you enjoyed this. Oh, another bit of housekeeping. Part two of the Stardew Valley episode that our sister podcast, Game Till Five, is out that features Dear Jesse Benz. Uh, very, very That's funny listen. So go check it out. Game Till Five for the latest uh, episode featuring Jesse Patrick Benz. Spout have you actually no listened to it? I have, have listened to the first part. I've listened to the second part. Was I funny? You was funny. Was you I were very much... Um, I, was, I was describing you as the child who's lost in a supermarket and their mum's talking to like a family friend and you haven't been paid attention to in a while. <laughs> mummy! Look at me, mummy! Mummy! Mummy, look at my Hot Wheels! Um, <laughs> That's what happens um, when you I... put Jesse in a group of like f- more than one woman. If there's three women, it's just like he doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> um, so what was weird about doing that Stardew show with uh, the Gills was um, that um, there was a massive delay. There was like literally a three second delay. Um, from what I was hearing and when I was talking. So what what sounds like me just going, look at me, look at me, is because I'm like answering something that happened three seconds ago. Which, <laughs> um, but I think it adds to the bizarreness of the whole episode. Yeah, it, it's very bizarre. It's it's a lot of crazy, so you got to get yourself in that mood, but it is a very funny episode. Even if you don't know Stardew, it's, it's good to listen to. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode. Uh, the next one is something anime or cartoon-related. That one's going to bomb like shit, so uh, <laughs> me and just just going to have fun on that one and do what we want. We Fuck hope... It. Huh? Fuck it, I said. Fuck it! <laughs> yeah! I said, I, said it in the, I said it in the style of Mean Gene Oakland. Fuck it! <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. We love Louis, and he is an absolutely fantastic documentary maker and uh, a pride of Britain! 
So go check out more. He is it's... a national treasure, really, like proper he, national treasure. He is, and you've got me in a bit of a hole now because uh, I'm going to download them on Netflix on my phone and use that as my commuting watching, which is yeah. going to make me sad when I get to work. Yeah, do it though, but and talk to me about them. Like when you're watching them, just talk to me because I like talking about them. Well, I'm going to start with Savile tomorrow morning at seven nice. o'clock. So uh, yeah, thanks, Louis. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> awesome so we got till five you can subscribe to us please leave five star reviews and stuff because it is helpful don't if you don't don't like it just don't leave a review at all but if you do like it do five stars write a nice little comment saying they're good actually and uh, that helps us and you can find all of our twitter shit and all that at a website called got till five.com oh my god you did that without prompting what is did the world all? coming to love I'm it good. i'm growing up baby Keep keep an eye out in two weeks' time for the uh, Twitter poll to decide whether you want to pick Savile or the most hated family in America as your number one Louis Farou pick. And we'll be posting throughout the week clips and stuff from the episode. Join in the conversation. We like having chats with you and arguments. The pop punk one got a bit heated throughout the week. So uh, hopefully this one is not as heated. You you got a bit carried away, Jesse. So uh, I get it. You told me to try and start tweeting more to help you out because I don't do nothing except sit here and shout into a microphone. Like I don't do any of the Twitter and stuff. That's all Max. But Max has asked me to tweet more. So I have been trying. But as a result, I think everything's just got a bit more aggressive. You know what he's done? He he started tweeting on our account and then he just started tweeting on his own account about inside number nine. (laughs) I'm just like... I got got the... Well, I didn't want to like... Because I know you haven't watched Inside Number Nine. It's the best show on television for anyone who um, doesn't know what it is. And um, but so I didn't want to like attach your name to something that you might not agree with or like. You know, you have to watch it yourself to understand that it's the best thing in the world. But you you tweet really funny stuff on your account, and then I have to retweet it. Yeah, that's fine though. Get me some followers up, mate. We'll help each other. Oh my goodness, this is not what we signed up for. Okay, I am I am funny, so I will do funny stuff as me, and then we'll sort. I'll do it on Got to Five as well. I, I'm funny enough. I can come up with more than one funny thing a day, mate. I'll spread them out. Yeah, we'll see. Thank you very much for everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. We will be back in two weeks' time. Very excited. Thank you very much to my co-host, Jesse, for letting us talk once again on, you know, just just shit we like. These first six episodes are really just a view into mine and Jesse's personality outside of wrestling. Yeah, it's nice. I like it, even if no one else does. So, fuck you all. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.